Yo, my friend, welcome to another episode of The Pixelist, where we like to talk about games, movies, shows, all things nerdy. I'm Will. That's my boy, Blake. What up? And uh, we're here to talk about some Critical Role today. Bro, when are we going to talk about a game is what I want to know. <laughs> I know. Like, we're like multi-months deep into this, and... I mean, just, what what are we going to talk about? When's the game coming up? You know, we technically talked about games done quick, so I feel like that bought us a little bit of time. You know? Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bit. mean, yeah, sure. I, I guess people know you by the content you make, so I guess we don't have anyone who's like, you know, where are the games? <laughs> Since we've never put out a game video. But um, yeah, we're gamers who don't talk about games. Apparently. Yeah, but uh, one day. Yeah, 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 one day. Yeah, we cover all all of our nerdy hobbies we like to talk about, um, which is typically a lot of Marvel stuff and a lot of D&D. We love D&D. Yeah. So that is ideally what brought you to today's video, I'm assuming. Yeah. You being the random person who's <laughs> watching this. Hello, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, go, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, yeah, the long episode. Yeah, it was like five hours long, uh, episode 11, just for reference. And um, in addition to that, we also have the freaking Legend of Vox Machina that's premiering this week. Um, yep. Friday. Right. I actually get to see it early tomorrow. So if you want to watch it with me, you can. How? Because uh, I was a Kickstarter backer. Oh, so man. I get to watch the first two episodes, but the first three are premiering Friday. So like, right, there's still going to be new stuff even for Kickstarter people on Friday. Um, so super hyped about that. You know, long culmination of like everything is that show. So I, do you I, have any like fear of it being bad? I don't, <laughs> I don't have fear of it being bad, but yeah, I okay. do like I don't know that it could possibly live up to the expectations you know what i'm saying like yeah i mean i i hope it's amazing it's it's gonna be one of those shows that i like regardless mm -hmm. like we haven't done our witcher video yet um i mean we have so many videos by the way to do yeah, we I need know. to do the witcher one we need to do um we hit 500 subs on the channel so we need to do that a video on that by the way thank you guys who've subbed to the channel we gotta do vox machina we got to do um, our favorite like theories, which one of them that we mentioned last week ended up being true. Um, there's oh, yeah. a lot of video content that we got to make, by the way. So we just got to like set a set a day aside. But um, all that to say, like The Witcher, you know, I love The Witcher. And yeah. so just preview for the video we will make. You and I haven't talked about this mm -mm. season two. Um, so good. And so bad. <laughs> so many just, oh, eesh. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like it because I love The Witcher, mm -hmm. you know? And so I feel like with Vox Machina, Legends of Vox Machina, you know, being a big Critical Role fan, being a D&D &D fan, regardless of quality, I'm going to be like, yeah, I really like that. But I, I just, I know you haven't seen Arcane. Arcane was like amazing. Yeah. I just, I don't know if I should go in with that level of expectations. So See, I don't know. I have no doubt that it's going to be good, even great, I'll say. So, like, I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried about, like, I have the expectations for it being, like, one of the best things I've ever seen ever. Yeah. <laughs> just because of how, like, you know, like, emotionally connected. I mean, I'm a freaking yeah. Kickstarter backer of it, you know? So, like, yeah. that, I just, I don't know You're if it could live up to that, but yeah. I hope it does. 
you're expecting your life's like entire journey to change after <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if that's the case you might be <laughs> exactly this might be an uh-oh um, exactly yeah yeah so we i mean presumably we're gonna do i guess i guess what makes sense are they doing three 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 or are they doing three and then one one i think they're doing each week three every time i think okay but so I think it seems like 12 episodes i actually don't even know how many episodes it is okay i thought it was nine but that's Again, because I just watched Arcane. Well, I know the, the first so. two that I'm getting, like, the early screening to are, like, mm. kind of a self-contained story. They're not part of what Campaign 1 was. They're, like, pre-Campaign yeah, 1. Right. So mm. it's, like, and then after that, there's, like, the Campaign 1 arc. So I yeah. want to say that, like, if the first thing is two episodes, then surely, like, that next section is also an even amount. Right. So maybe it would be and 10. I think Amazon's or, already booked a second season too yeah yeah they have yeah yeah so that's man they have a lot on their plate mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> but you know not to you know the critical critters the critical role fans are um they love critical role they love D, &D just like we do i shouldn't say they i mean we're we're part of this group we did see via exandria unlimited that mm -hmm. when things and this has also been the case and this is just through osmosis that i know this that even in previous campaigns, when certain details don't play out as the fans want them to, people can be uh, particularly opinionated. They can be particularly frustrated. And so I don't think I'm like nervous, so to speak. I'm just more expectant to see like some keyboard warriors come some Friday night backlash, or Saturday. Yeah. yeah, Saturday morning where people are like, why did you? It would have made so much more sense if you did this. And that's fine. I mean, it's, I think that is the whole premise of our channel is we get on and we talk about what we would have done differently or what we think about certain things. So like, I don't, I don't begrudge anyone for doing that. I'm just sort of already mentally preparing myself to yeah. see some of those. That's fair. Comments. I mean, I'm surely so. <laughs> they're going to be there, you know, any, yeah. And that's, but, that's every franchise. Yeah. That's not just critical role. Yeah. So Which, anyway, one, one more thing on this before we, you know, you know, spend too long here is, uh, did you see, the video that talked about all the actors that are going to be in it besides the critical role cast. Bro, no, I saw them. you linked it, but I haven't, I'm, I, it's because I, the more I started watching of like little previews and stuff, the more I was like, okay, I, I feel like, I don't know how, I don't know how good arcane actually is in the sense of, I went in totally blind, hadn't seen yeah. anything for it. And I feel like that elevated. I didn't even know it was supposed to be good. And I, I feel like when I get too involved with the pre-content, mm -hmm. like little tidbits and drops, I feel like I just I feel like I go down this rabbit trail of like this being life changing, you know. And so <laughs> so I saw you shared it. I didn't intentionally not watch it, but I am yeah, kind yeah. of like subconsciously like Ugh. like I watched they, they posted another like clip, uh, like a little uh, cut, uh, I think like two days ago. And I watched like 20 seconds of it. And then I was like, OK, I don't want to watch this anymore. So. So yeah, I, I haven't seen that video though. That was my really long way of saying I haven't seen it. <laughs> no, that's fair. It doesn't really have any spoilers other than that, like, oh, this person is voicing this character. Yeah. I mean, you don't know anything about the character. Do you care if I tell you a few people that no, are in no, it? No, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So freaking David Tennant, do you know who that is? Uh, he's, no. uh he was one of the Doctor Who's. He was in uh, Jessica okay. Jones. He uh, yeah, yeah, he's been okay. in a lot yeah, of yeah. stuff. Yeah, um yeah. we got uh Buster from Arrested Development. <laughs> Doing uh, the OG Buster voice. <laughs> no, he's actually, I think, playing like a bad guy. Um, okay. 
and the other we got uh gina torres who is you know from yeah. firefly and yeah, uh, yeah yeah uh stephanie beatrice from brooklyn 99 oh yes and she was a voice actor in something else the only reason i know that is because my wife uh we love brooklyn 99 and she voice acted something else and my wife was like it was so weird hearing her voice and her not being mm-hmm. like you know the dry sarcastic character yeah. that she's in brooklyn 99 that's yeah. really cool though i didn't know that and um a few other names that like i wouldn't be surprised if you didn't know because i only know them through critical role but Car- kari payton who played um ezekiel in walking dead he's also a very prominent uh, around when i stopped watching so okay. um anyway but so there's i'm you know the people I haven't explicitly mentioned here, I'm not trying to disrespect, but I just wanted to hit some of the <laughs> big ones. They're definitely watching this video. Thinking, How yeah. dare you? <laughs> uh, but Anjali Bamani uh, is in it as well. Um, oh, that's great. She's also, I think, in the one shot Thursday, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Because, yeah, there's no new episode Yeah, yeah. this week, right? Right. 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 They're doing a one shot, which I, I don't know the premise of the one shot either, by the way. So when they did the Kickstarter thing, there were all these stretch goals that like, if we hit this, then we'll do this. And, you know, they broke all of them like yeah. within the first six hours. Right. So they had to come think of new ones. And one of the ones they thought of was a guest battle royale. So like different guest characters from all the campaigns are yeah. going to come together. It won't be like in the canon because that doesn't make sense. It'll just be like removed from canon. It'll be but... Heroes of the Storm-esque. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, that's actually a good comparison. Yeah, and okay. uh, yeah, they'll okay. just fight. So it should be interesting. Uh, some yeah, okay. some fan favorite guests are showing up for sure. Yeah. Well, we're, we're already 10 minutes into this video. Um, we have a five hour episode mm-hmm. to recap, which... You know, gonna do our best to keep that short. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we still have to do our deep dive discussion. So, um, for you guys, the viewers, we know your time is precious. So maybe we should just go ahead and jump in and talk about the recap. Um, yeah. And then also, if you guys are watching just this recap right now, we do cut this out as its own video at the bottom uh, in the comments or in the description. Excuse me, is the full video if you want to see our deep dive discussion. So you can check that out. But. Let's talk about what happened in episode 11 of campaign three of critical role. Do you want to start us out? Yes, sir. And two really quick things before I jump in. Uh, Yeah. Again, forgive us for, I'm going to try to be quick here, but like Blake said, five hour long episode, want to hit the highlights. And two, just in case anyone's OCD like me, I don't know why there's this black bar (laughs) on my, uh, I got a green screen situation happening. Yeah. Yeah. So just for anyone that's like triggered by that, know that I am too trying to fix it anyway. (laughs) Anyway, Meanwhile, just... I can't even see it. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyway. episode 11. Yeah. Um, so we pick up with basically Ira, you know, confronting this party, asking them, you know, why have you come to my workshop? You know, he's being kind of um, coy. Yeah. Coy with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chetney says, you know, we're looking for Gurge. And Ira laughs and kind of looks toward Gurge. He's like, oh, you actually have friends. And um and then the rest of the party kind of, you know, they were upstairs, kind of joined Chetney. And um, I was like, well, you found Gurge, so you can leave now. And uh, Chetney's like, are you the Nightmare King? And he has this super creepy grin. And like, I think like there's like a cacophony of voices that like start responding. And he says like, yeah, that's one of the names people call me. And he's like, okay, yeah, we're taking Gurge alive. And I was like, you'll have to take that up with Armand um, because, you know, we need Gurge and his gift and uh, we need more volunteers, actually. And Chetney's like, volunteers? Um, for what? Like, And Ira says, oh, don't worry. It's nothing it's nothing you can offer. And Chetney's like, are you sure about that? And starts like ripping off 
his cloak. And yeah. <laughs> um, while this is happening, Imogen tries to read Ira's mind, but she's met with like this painful mental like shock in response. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, no peeking. You can't look in here. And he's like, y'all are really lacking in manners. And he's like, you know, this is such a shame. And suddenly the door upstairs like slams shut. And um, the party is told that there's like something strongly fey in his movements. But he like he moves like an alien kind of very strangely. And he stands up from his stool and he's over 10 feet tall. His arms super long, like almost draping to the ground. Um, He's got these really creepy long fingers. I think Matt said that they're about like a foot and a half long each. And they kind of like extend creepily to pluck the the glowing stone that he was messing with um, from the table. And he he tosses it to the ground and this wave of energy comes out. And basically all the furniture in the room now animates to life. And we roll initiative. Um, So this battle was kind of long. A lot of stuff happened. I'm going to try to just hit the highlights here. Um, Everyone kind of has their moments. Uh, You know, Fern casts flaming spears trying to damage everything um ira casts like this chain lightning ability that like completely destroys four of them yeah it's 22 damage at level four yeah <laughs> like i think it was his first action yeah yeah right? it was, aside from like you know animating the the furniture yeah right yeah and um yeah fcg does manage to transfer some of the suffering he does that a few times throughout this fight um so from the jump, it's like, oh, crap, like this is a dangerous encounter. Um, Dorian immediately casts Shatter and breaks uh, the lock on Gurge's prison cell so they can try to get him in on this action. And basically everyone is just trying to deal with this furniture that is attacking them. Um, Orem does some dope fighter shit. You know, he does like a bait and switch maneuver with Imogen. Naturally. That, uh, yeah. Increases her <laughs> AC by seven, which is just crazy. And everyone's like, what? Um and so while this is happening, uh, Chetney rips off like the rest of his clothes, basically, except for his underwear. And he takes his um, chisel and kind of draws it across his peck, uh, drawing blood. And while this is happening, Gurge transforms into a werewolf in his cell. And thanks to Dorian breaking the lock, is able to break free. Um, the party keeps attacking the furniture. And um, I was like, okay, you know what? This is getting old. And I think Matt phrases it like he's going to take the weights off um and so he says the air like shimmers around him and his limbs seem to stretch even longer and then everyone around him basically has to make a save or else be frightened and then a majority of the party actually becomes frightened of him i think except for laudna who is immune thanks to her dread presence and um this is maybe the highlight of the whole episode for me uh chetney looks up at ira and you know he goes i bet you think you're real scary you think gurge have a gift well where do you get a load of me and then he's like talks about his shoulders popping out and like his bones cracking and basically he too transforms into a werewolf and uh and i this is such an awesome moment too because everyone was like are you kidding me (laughs) it was so great great. (laughs) <laughs> and and on top of that, his also they made his character portrait transform uh, yeah. into a werewolf, and uh, he we find out he's not a rogue; he is in fact a right. blood hunter. Yeah. Um, so just an awesome moment all around. <laughs> um, and when moment. Ira is actually struck, Matt notes that blood does not come out, but a strange mist. Um, and meanwhile, you know the fighting is still going on. Fern attacks him, and he leans in and kind of smells her when she does that. And Ira's like, you know, you you smell familiar, like home, like a Callaway. And we're like, what? 
and um which is fern's last name right 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 they didn't watch exu and um now he's starting to get angry now that like these people are actually kind of bothering him and interrupting his work so he uh kind of face steps into the middle of the party uh transforms fcg into a turtle and then like attacks dorian and knocks him unconscious uh but dorian rolls a natural 20 on his first saving saving throw death saving throw and so he immediately immediately jolts back up with one hp um then ira lashes out at orum and also knocks him unconscious however liam also rolls a nat 20 on his first death saving throw and pops back up as well and i think he even says like you know i could do this all day channeling uh steve rogers um (laughs) so the battle continues they eventually take care of all of the furniture and then focus on ira himself um you know, uh, Fern throws an ice knife at him and he catches it and he goes, you are a Callaway. Um, and then more battle, more battle. Then he finally, uh, face steps, teleports again and begins channeling this like energy in his hands. And he says, you know, like this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, but then he glances at Fern and mm-hmm. for some reason he stops, he stops channeling. He stops doing what he was doing. And he goes, you know what, I hate to leave work unfinished, um, but I have been paid half and good times have been had, but I have other things to tend to. And he's like, I hope you guys survive so that we may meet again. And he dimension doors out of the room. Um, so at this point, the party's like, what's happening? Like, there's, it's, it's chaos, basically. Orem and Ladna decide to grab any papers they can from this room and the desk. It's all like disheveled alchemical supplies and papers and stuff. So they grab what they can. Um, they do see in one of the other prison cells, there's like this large, like kind of praying mantis type creature. And Gurge is like, yo, don't let that out. Uh, you know, like, let's go. Um, Ashton does inspect the device, which the like the central device that was in the room. And it's like sparking. And he's like, yo, uh, this isn't safe. Like, we need to get out of here right now. So Dorian grabs uh, Turtle FCG. Everyone runs back upstairs <laughs> into Vali's office, you know, back out the window. A, um, there is a wandering guard out there who sees this. You know, he sees this crazy party, including two werewolves. And uh, Chetney just growls at him and he's like, I'm out. And he just pieces out immediately. So they dart back to the courtyard, go back over the wall that they originally climbed over. Um, you know, scale that. Uh, Gurge and Chetney both transform back into their um, normal forms. And, um, you know, both are basically naked, but get some some clothes on and uh suddenly there's this loud like hum and flash of blue and everything goes silent for a second and then there's this massive flash and an explosion of energy and then uh these pieces of rubble begin falling from the sky and the moon tower essentially has exploded um Mm -hmm. so they're trying to dodge dodge the rubble but dorian and fcg actually take a big hit uh dorian gets knocked out fcg gets knocked out of his turtle form and uh, but he heals up Dorian immediately and they're like, OK, we got to get out of here, um, you know, ASAP. And so that's actually where the episode goes to break. Um, but when we return, the party is hopping on a gondola to get out of the course fire, just ASAP um, inside the gondola. Lawton is asking Gurge. She's like, what what experiments was he doing on you? Like, were they successful? And Gurge says that, you know, I had to bite three people. Um, You know, they wanted to steal my lycanthropy, essentially. Um, And he reveals that, no, he did not bite Chetney. 
Um, he said he was locked up for just a few days. He didn't know who the volunteers were, but they were they were willing volunteers, and they looked like mercenaries, cell swords, armed very like highly armed to the teeth. Um, then he, they kind of ask him about his history. So he goes into that a little bit, uh, saying that he is a retired wanderer, um, has been living in Marquette for about the past decade, uh, was originally from wild Mount was part of a band of hunters, but then he caught this disease and he was basically thin away in order to get a handle on it. Um, the gondola arrives and they decide to head to the weary way tavern. And, uh, once they get there, they basically rent a room that is large enough for them all to stay in together. And they immediately make their way to it. Um, once inside, Chetney apologizes to the party for not telling them the full truth, you know, about his werewolfness and everything, mm. and kind of reintroduces himself um, as a lichen. And uh, he reveals that Gurge is, in fact, not a master craftsman, and he was not helping him find a new job, um, but he was helping him with his lycanthropy. Right. Um, yeah. Gurge uh, used to run with this group called the Claret Orders, um, but he exiled himself. Uh, came to Marquette and found a new group called the Gorgini. Now, I might be yeah. messing up with some of these names here. Um, but they were also a group of hunters that were lichens, and they had learned to, like, control their curse. Um, right. So Gurge ran with this Gorgini group for a few years, but then said he had a falling out with the leadership. Um, so he said, basically, Chetney came up and basically wouldn't stop bothering him until he yeah. finally <laughs> agreed to help him out. And uh, he reveals that he was going to introduce Chetney to someone named Ajit. But then right. all this craziness happened where he gets, you know, kidnapped and everything. Um, so and also Gurge says that, you know, I never transform in public. So I'm not sure how these people knew that I was right. a werewolf. And Dorian's like, uh, you know what? Quick question. I thought I thought Lycan's only transformed during a full moon. And Gerd was like, yeah, it gets dicey around a full moon, but our blood magic kind of allows us a bit of uh, control. But mm -hmm. he does warn the party. He's like, hey, if y'all are going to be traveling with this guy when Rudis is high, he's like, right. watch out. Like, things get kind of crazy when that happens. And um, they asked Chetney if he's been a lichen long, and he says he's relatively new. But, you know, what does that mean for someone that's over 200 years old? Right. Um, uh, and he said after he was kicked out by the glass blades in Uthodurn, he was out hunting in the wild and he got bit by a wolf and had like an altercation with the wolf. He then killed this wolf. And after he did, it transformed back into a human. And so he realized mm -hmm. that, you know, he was bitten by a werewolf. Uh, he says he's been able to keep it <laughs> at bay and exert some control. Um, but you know, he came to Gurge just to learn more. Um, Gurge basically at this point is like, yo, I've had a rough few days, like, I'm going to bed. Like, please, nobody else bother me. Um, he's like, Chetney, the moment you stepped into my life, everything went to shit. So I don't yeah. know anything else. Like, just go talk to Ajit. And I'm, tomorrow, I'm going to go back to my place in the woods. And you guys are not welcome to visit me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do <laughs> and, not come to me. <laughs> and Fern's like, well, you know, we helped you. Like, shouldn't you give us something in return? And he's like, well, what do you want? And she's like, bite me. <laughs> and yeah, he's, yeah. Like, he's like, absolutely not. I took an oath. And... um as he's going to bed, they actually ask him one more time about Ira and just like what he knows about Ira, what he remembers seeing. And Gurge recalls seeing Vali and he goes, I also saw the boss. Um, and he goes, Ira, you know, smelled weird. He smelled like the woods. However, it was like sweeter and like kind of right. unfamiliar. And Fern's like, wait, smell me. Does it smell like me? And he's like, yeah, kind of. So they think it might be the Feywild uh, that right. he was smelling. 
And finally, FCG asks about uh, Armand. He's like, you know, tell me about this boss. And Gurge is like, you know, I don't know. I just saw people, but he was like tall, handsome, well-dressed, fancy clothes, fancy jewelry, you know, wore blue and golds. And, um, you know, that's all I know. And then finally, he's like, all right, leave me alone. And he goes and curls up kind of like a dog and uh, falls asleep. Um, do you want to take it from there? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so basically, after he falls asleep, Chetney is pretty much like, hey, guys, sorry for uh, not giving like <laughs> the full story, which the party knew about. They asked him like 50,000 times, like, OK, mm-hmm. what's going on really here? Um, they do realize that Reedus won't or Ruidus Reedus won't be at its thank you won't be at its peak until um a couple months from now and so we have a couple of months um so they see kind of what would happen at this point um chetney mentions that he preferred to stay with the group because he has to demonstrate that he can basically play well with others or he sort of um curiously mentions that uh others will come for him like hunters will come for him which was really interesting um, Fern, after being shot down by Gurge, actually mentions <laughs> to Chetney, like, hey, maybe you can bite me. And Gurge, seemingly from his slumber, says, um, if you do it, I'll hunt you down. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, presumably there's some kind of oath that's taken that says you won't pass this on to someone else. Um, well, as the group's talking, they also decide to go through these papers that they took from Ira, and the papers are mysteriously blank. And they try all sorts of things. You know, Chetney's like, does anyone have any lemon juice? <laughs> they try holding it over fire and like literally nothing happens. Um, and this thing is just oddly, um, oddly clear at this point. Um, so the party decides, okay, let's, that kind of wraps things up for the night. Like what else do we need to think about? And they kind of all agree. Let's, they're in the Lantern um, District right now. And they kind of all, the Lantern Spire and they kind of all agree, you know what, we should probably stay away from the core spire as best we can for the time being. Um, especially since a guard saw us leaving the moon tower before it exploded. Right. Uh, this is around the time where Ashton uh, mentions, hey, if we do need to get out of town, I do have a friend of mine, uh, really someone that I've been working for, who has a job for us. And Ashton really shares this whole um, heist idea that's happening in the Hartmore, um, which is about probably a five or six day uh, walk and maybe a few days on horse. Uh, Matt does mention they could rent a Simurg, uh, but it would be extremely expensive and they'd have to know someone to be able to do that. Um, so they're sort of talking this through and they're like, OK, if we're going to do this, um, if we're going to get out of town, let's kind of get all the things done that we need to get done yeah uh, dorian by the way is like okay well hang on i do not want to miss the ball and you remember dorian <laughs> is like the royalty kind of person uh and is like we're not missing the ball um but regardless the the party is like okay let's just kind of like what are all the things we need to i guess all the loose ends we need to tie up so that if we were to leave for the heart more we kind of have all these things taken care of right um so they kind of go through the list um they have the bet from Gianna Hexum, which is the whole premise to go to the Hartmore. Mm-hmm. They have the ball. Um, Orm still needs to meet with Ashad Bregio, the anger. And Imogen still needs to go to the Starpoint Conservatory to, because um, Esteros was going to give him, give her a letter to basically grant her um, uh, entry to find right. out more about her, her gift. So we're like, okay, well, the ball's the top of the list. Let's, and, and also, as they're trying to plan this out, the ball is what keeps coming up as like the toughest. Uh, like scheduling wise. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, okay, let's just go talk to Esteros. 
So they go to Esteros and they sort of, um, you know, like several times they've been to Esteros, they sort of just, <laughs> you know, uh, give all the info of like, here's the latest thing that's happened. And Esteros is like, you guys didn't have anything to do with the destruction of the moon spire or the, the moon tower, right? And they're like, yeah, that was uh, us. <laughs> like, oops. Um, and they're like, Imogen, tell them what happened. And so Imogen does this kind of dramatic retelling of the Nightmare King. And they, she especially mentions that he had a teeny tiny top hat, which he did it. And that's kind of what they envision. Yeah. Um, and they also talk about how it was him who was creating, causing furniture to come to life. Which Esteros mentions that actually the event they saw in front of the the um, spire by fire wasn't the only time this has happened. It's actually happened a couple of times. Um, he doesn't recognize Ira, but he does recognize Armand and reveals that Armand is actually Armand Treshi yeah. uh, of the Treshi House. Um, which remember the Treshi House Masons were the ones who seemingly did some construction at the uh, Dreamscape Theater where the mimic was seemingly planted. Yeah. Um, and the party starts to surmise, like maybe Armand is creating like these sort of chaotic moments around town. Like we've heard rumors of people saying that town's really like going south and that maybe the Paragon's call is this band of mercenaries that's potentially in his pocket. And he's basically, basically he's creating all this, this insanity to make a power play to really put himself in control yeah, uh, or something to that effect. Um, and I think it's a lot who says maybe these, these three people who were um, bit by Gurge, potentially they were of the Paragon's call. We don't really know, but that's really what they were, um, what they were thinking about. Right. So Estras does mention the balls in five days. So it seems like it's going to be tough to do the ball um, after their heartmorn travel, but it's still uncertain. But in the meantime, uh, it tells Orem, hey, if you're ready, you can go see um, uh, the Anger over in the Lucent Spire, which the, this is like where the noble houses are. And by the way, um, for your hard work, here's five platinum. Go treat yourself to a spa day, <laughs> which seems a bit random, but it turns out there's a spa near the Loomis house so they can kind of just treat themselves for all their hard work. Uh, it's looking so... pretty yeah, <laughs> looking pretty beat up and rough. Yeah. Um, so um, they decide basically, okay, yeah, let's go do our spa day. Um, and uh, Estras does, by the way, hand them like some new like cloaks and like dark clothing to kind of help them with just not, um, I guess, being so obvious. Yeah. Just so they can kind of travel a little bit more stealthily. Um, so they end up uh, heading that way. Um, Chetney does hop into a store um, called the Prism Emporium and gets a new chisel because um, he had like, thrown it at ira or something yeah either ira left with it or it blew up or i don't remember um and then they go to the diamond horizon which is this bathhouse where they have their spa day there's a funny detail here where um they have the five platinum which is plenty to pay for the spa day for all of them and chetney is like no no i want to pay for it and they're like well why would you pay for it and he's like well i lied to you guys and i need to (laughs) you know I, i i owe you to get your trust back and Ashton is like, we don't want you to buy our trust back. You need to earn our trust. And Chetney's like, no, I'd rather just pay for it. <laughs> like, I'd much rather buy it. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather just buy your, your trust again. Um, but so he does pay for their spa day. And um, they all have a great time. I mean, Fern has um, uh, a person who typically deals with animals, uh, comes and like removes like fleas and yeah. ticks from her, and gives her like a bubble bath. Um, 
Orem just waltzes around the place naked. <laughs> uh, Dorian and Chetney get a like full body deep tissue massage, uh, <laughs> which Chetney is basically like, that was the single greatest thing I've ever experienced. I had memories that I haven't thought of in years. Um, Didn't he like and, break uh, down crying during it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, there's also like a steam room or maybe even like a bath. I can't remember. And Laudna gets into it and then realizes that like... Uh her like body like fingernails are falling off and Gross. like we're like ooh Lana get out of the tub please so after the spa day they head over to house loomis and it's here that they meet um uh, i think it was ella loomis the the matriarch of the family who introduces them to Ashad Bregio who is um still in his bed wrapped in bandages but mm. healthy enough to sit up and talk to the party um aura mentions that a man by the name of Jarrett in Whitestone uh, was the mutual contact that told um, the voice of the Tempest about the attack on the Loomis house. And Ashad's like, oh yeah, Jarrett was an old friend. We used to, you know, kind of have journeys and adventures together. Yeah. But essentially what happened was um, the Loomis twins, Balin and I think Zayer, uh, they were sort of these scholarly people. They really were interested in, they called them planar contacts, celestial bodies, stars, and what have, you, what have you. And they were in the Hartmore because they were meeting with a retired astronomist to really, I guess, share information. Yeah. And um, basically while they're out and about, these three covered figures who were so covered they couldn't make out any of their features uh, attacked them. And they had uh, this incredible expertise and um, just efficiency that really amazed even Ashad and angered him. Uh, in hindsight of like, wow, I was just, it made him angry to think about like, why, like, why did this happen really? And, and who are these people who are so, so um, deadly, I guess, right? Uh, with envenomed weapons and all these things. Um, and he does mention that when one of them were slain, that they basically dissolved into like this black goop. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the twins were killed. Um, Ashad, obviously, because these weapons were envenomed, were, had a very lengthy um, healing process. And basically, he didn't know anymore. But if they wanted to know more, Astani, the re retired astrologist, apparently did like a full investigation. And that would be the next best place to go. And Orm's kind of like, well, dang, I was really hoping there'd be more information. Yeah. And he reveals sort of the story we already know that they had a similar attack um, in Zephyr. Mm -hmm. um, but he does tell Ashad, like, hey, I will get justice for both of us. Um, so the party, again, they're going down their checklists. Uh, uh, Ashton's like, let me go hop over to uh, Gianna's house, tell him, you know, what's going on. Uh, Gianna's not in. There's just a very rude um, door person instead. <laughs> he had a great voice. Yeah, yeah. And Ashton basically is like, hey, just pass on a message that, you know, Ashton came by with the new nobodies because his old group was the nobodies and they skipped town. So, like, these are my new nobodies. Yeah. And the party kind of likes this and they're like, oh, that's kind of a, a nice name. It could be a potential name. We don't know. Yeah. But um, Doran actually has them practice announcing themselves, um, like arriving <laughs> at the ball. Um, if you think of like that, the, the speaker person, like when the guest comes in, they say, you know, announcing these yeah. people. Um, so they're practicing and Laudanum is like, Ooh, I want to try. And she does like this very creepy kind of crazy, like everyone bend the knee. And he's like, Oh no, 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 no. That's not what an announcement is. <laughs> um, and anyway, their last place to go is the Starpoint conservatory. Cause Imogen was given this letter from Esteros. Um, 
they go. Uh, Imogen is allowed to enter the conservatory, and it is almost like a massive library with students coming and going. Um, she goes in alone. The rest of the party waits outside. Matt actually mentions that they wait for hours, actually, while she goes through books and studies and all sorts of things about dreams. She finds out all sorts of like, she, she reads about all sorts of things about like dreams in general, and particularly about storms, more specifically red storms. Uh, she does find one study uh, by a person named Professor Khadija Sumal, and there's a list of people who contributed to the study, and one of them is Liliana Timult which is her mother's name. And that's where the episode ends. That is what happened in episode 11 of Critical Roles Campaign 3. So, well done. Whew, we made it. Stuff. We made it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, we, we're already like deep in this episode, but that's a lot to cover, a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, they really, they didn't lollygag. I mean, they went kind of like boom, boom, boom from point to point. Um, yeah. First thoughts, by the way, enjoy the episode. Yeah, yeah, I love the episode. I mean, when I it's it's weird now that they're pre-recorded. Well, we I don't know. It's it's, it's kind of weird that they're pre-recorded, and one of the commands in Twitch chat is like runtime or like break or right. something. You, there's some command, and then respond like telling you the break is at this time, the episode is this time. So before right. the episode even started, people were like, "This episode is five hours long," and I was right. like, "What?" And so, um. You know, I knew what I was in for. I actually didn't finish it Thursday, uh, but mm. finished it Friday. Um, but I loved it. It was jam-packed. I know Matt tweeted afterwards saying that, like, hey, sorry that it was so long. We just kind of were having fun and lost track of time. Um, and I think everyone was like, yo, don't apologize for that. Um, yeah, give us more Critical Role, please. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> anyway, to answer your question, love the episode. Felt like we got, you know, so much... Uh, yeah. An amazing battle. Learned a lot. Things are finally. Uh, some things are finally starting to like connect, and getting a better kind of picture right. painted of the of the bigger story happening in Drusar. So, very right. excited about that. Um, just, I mean, lots of stuff to dive into. But what did you think? Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of great, just added details. Um, loved the reveal of Chetney being a werewolf. That was an awesome yes. moment. That was so cool. A um, lot of, it was great. So many, them kind of going down the checklist of loose ends, just being like, okay, let's knock this out. Let's think. Because yeah. these were things that we'd been waiting on for a long time. We've been waiting on the Starpoint Conservatory. We had been waiting on meeting the anger. Right. Um, and, you know, in some ways, I don't, none of it was a letdown. It was just there was so much building up to meeting the anger, for example, that for it to be, yeah, I don't really know that much. You have to go here. It's fine. But it also was kind of like, oh, and Orm even was like, oh, dang, I was kind of hoping like this would like solve it. Mm -hmm. um, so really liked that they were knocking out loose ends, but also um, I feel like there wasn't enough space for some things overall. Mm. We liked the episode Ira, uh, you know, the nightmare King. I was surprised that he was the nightmare King. It, it, I think I mentioned in our last episode that it seemed soon that this person would already be the nightmare King. Um, it's a bit interesting of a character. First of all, Matt did an amazing job describing him. Even his like finger chain lightning was like, so casually, yeah. you know, casted and a uh, really fun villain. But I mean, I say villain kind of with a bit of like pause because seems to know the Callaway family 
Um, also, you know, Nightmare King to me construes like a pure evil name. Doesn't necessarily seem to be that kind of character in the sense of, um, you know, he mentions like, I've already been paid half. Um, he clearly does work for pay. You know, he's not just like a chaotic, you know, watch the world burn <laughs> kind of person, I guess. And so, and also just sparing the party, obviously. Um, that was really interesting. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm just like word vomiting all these different thoughts. Uh, yeah, I like the episode. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, you made some good points. Uh, I, I, the just one thing I want to comment before we dive in to one thing you said about the anger and kind of like basically Orem not getting new information. I mean, he, you know, they have a new lead basically, but nothing really new. Uh, I could understand, like, I 100% see how like a lot of people could be frustrated with that. But I kind of liked the, 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 I don't know if it's fair to call it a uh, subversion because I don't know if it's like it's that big of a turn on its head but i kind of liked that like you know what he had a similar attack and he basically knows the exact same that orm knows you know like mm -hmm. it's it was like it was mirrored in that way like you know yeah i mean he was like yeah the same thing happened to me we couldn't identify him they immediately evaporated like that's all yeah. we know it, um it, maybe this is like just kind of a good starting spot is just that particular meeting sure. just to kind of you know dovetail just to kind of wrap it up i guess yeah, but yeah. i i think I, I don't know if people were frustrated by it for me it it just it felt like there were, i used the word spacing like i didn't feel like there was the space there because because here's what happened was we had so many comments from esteros around it's not time yet it's not time yet right you know you can't meet him yet and so naturally as viewers it's it's building we're up. Getting, yeah we're, we're doing an hour plus video on like what's really happening right yeah. so we have thoughts on like is that before we knew chetney is that travis's real character uh, someone right. made a comment on our YouTube. Maybe this is a guest character and they're working out scheduling and it ended up being, you know, like a 10 minute conversation via Matt on. Yeah, I really don't know anymore. And in hindsight, I think it does make sense in the sense of if the next part of that journey of Orem's journey is in the heart more as a DM, it's totally normal to not want to. I mean, I guess it all comes back to like style, like stylistic choices as a DM. I know mm -hmm. for me and my players. I want to give them the opportunity of choice, but I also don't want to, um, like for example, they're in my players in my campaign. They're in a town. There is stuff they can do in another town, but I'm not really giving them that breadcrumb yet because I don't want to distract them from what they're already right. invested in right now. Right, that's right, my right. style. The in, in hindsight with Matt, what it seems like is the next step is the heart more. Maybe it's better. Hey, it's not time yet. Because it would be a, a fracturing of the story. It'd be distracting. Do we need to go to the heart more yet? And now that we sort of have, um, you know, Ashen finally meeting with his employer, Gianna, mm -hmm. now maybe it makes more sense, is I guess what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think he's a, a pacing thing, really. I mean, at the end right. of the day. Uh, but, you know, he just did it in a creative way. The man was injured and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said um any ideas on what we didn't get any new information but again the same creatures that just dissolve and melt into this black goo yeah uh D, &D um bestiary i mean <laughs> anything come to mind here yeah i mean this is where y'all in the comments could definitely help us out because i'm just not familiar enough with like the bestiary to to fill yeah. in that that circle to that peg um but i it is it is interesting because, I mean, they're obviously, like, 
insanely high trained assassins, right? Like they not only, you know, easily cleaned up the anger, but they also attacked one of the most powerful people in the world in the voice of the Tempest, like to assassinate her. Like, so that's no amateur stuff. I mean, they weren't successful, obviously, but, um, but didn't you feel like the way Orem described it was maybe they were gauging defenses because it almost seemed like a, a doomed attack from the get-go. Right, it was like I a mean, trial run that he was saying, right? Like, But then nothing ever came of it. Right. And, and this was years ago. Right. And so now there, there definitely could be other attacks that we just aren't aware of that have happened. Right. But, you know, seemingly there's been this several-year gap until anything similar has happened. So, yeah, I, I just wonder what kind of plan has been orchestrated in on that time frame. Um, I know a few people were speculating, um, and I personally don't like subscribe to this. Not, I don't think it's necessarily incorrect. I just don't know enough, but there was this one character in the second campaign that was this like badass assassin. Um, and it's not fair to say that they, they let this person go, that the, the context was a bit more convoluted than that. Uh, and I don't want to give away spoilers, but essentially there was this assassin in campaign two that, you know, we know to be alive. Let's put it that way. And um, now nothing about them really like indicated they would turn into goo or anything. But I, anyway, this is getting long winded. Point is, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I bet it has something to do with that assassin campaign too that is still out there. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there for people that are, you know, interested in that those types of little theories but um like i said me personally i don't really see the connection there but it would be interesting if it was um one uh while we're on this subject um again i don't really have anything else on as far as speculation as to who these assassins are but one thing that i kind of that we've been speculating about uh regarding orum is kind of we know he was this guard in zephra um but then we he leaves and we know that you know he's been like a wandering traveler Right. To me, the piece is kind of lined up finally this episode when he revealed that, like, yeah, this attack was years ago. And then he's like, then I left. And, you know, years later, you know, through Jarrett, through Whitestone, through this, we learned about this attack. And so I was, you know, asked to come investigate this. To me, I think it finally makes sense that perhaps his significant other, that person that we've always, like, speculated right. about, I think they were probably killed in yeah. that attack. And that like, you know, broke Orem in a way. And he was like, I got to, I got to get out of here. I got to do something new. So to me, like whoever that person is, male, female, friend, lover, um, died in the attack that spurred Orem to leave Zephra, do his own thing. You know, he's had these adventures that we're aware of. And now that this attack has resurfaced, it kind of makes sense why they would send him because he's got this personal connection to it, you know? Yeah. So a a passion for justice, Yeah. you know, which he mentions even to Ashad. So yeah, I, so, I totally agree. I think you're so right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's at this point, that's really all I've got on this whole attack, but I did like that, that, I mean, that could end up being wrong, but to me that makes sense. And so I was like, okay, let's, uh, let's Mephisto a little bit here. Oh. I, so we mentioned that the Loomis twins were interested in like astrology, planar oh. contacts. I don't know what that means, by the way, planar uh, contacts, I'm so glad celestial bodies that, yeah. going real deep dive. We know from EXU talking to one of the um, sages, I guess. Um, right, right. In uh, Nyrdalpak? Yes, that's right. In Nyrdalpak, that there had been a bad omen coming right, from the moons. Right. And that 
and definitely like sort of a, a running trend in EXU for you guys who didn't watch it is like this sense of something large and dangerous is, is coming to Exandria. Right. Um, it's in the, the best analogy I can give is if you watched Marvel, like the little stinger at the end of movies where Thanos is kind of, you know, popping up. Like yeah. that level of like something is is happening, something is is coming to Alexandria that, uh, or something's rising up in Alexandria that can be um, horribly deadly or catastrophic even. So in Nirdalpak, one of the characters basically mentions that um, there's a bad omen, and almost seems to imply that this person's city is doomed. Even so, all that to say. Could there be some kind of connection with the Loomis twins in having discovered something, having seen something, figured something out um, with with something astrology wise or with the moons or what have you that got them killed? I don't know. That's kind of my deep theory. No, so. that's interesting. I didn't even I mean, that makes perfect sense. I don't know why I didn't even think about why they were killed, but they could have been onto something. Right. Um I'm glad you I'm glad you brought this up because I forgot about the whole astrology connection and I wanted to talk about that too. Um which to to on a more meta level, uh the two moons of Exandria have always just been so fascinating to me. And Matt at like in all three campaigns, like so even back several years ago in campaign one, um, and again in campaign two, there would be little moments where like just certain NPCs that were like scientists or, you know, whatever, would maybe like kind of lore drop about the moon and it was always just fascinating especially you know because there are two moons and one is way smaller and you know has like a six month cycle or whatever um so there's always been these like super crazy theories from the from the fan community about like what the hell these moons are like is it not a moon like is it like a, a sentient <laughs> like is ruidus like a sentient being or like an it's egg like or a something death star it's like yeah. the yeah it's like the villain from uh fifth element you know, like yeah. the big rock that's just encroaching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I love, love, love that like this is taking a forefront in this campaign um, via the Loomis twins investigating it. And, like, I mean, Ruidus itself has come up like several times in this campaign. I mean, Orem has a tattoo right. of it. We now have a werewolf in the party that in a way has like a direct connection yeah. to these celestial bodies. So I, I just love that, like, we're probably going to get some answers to this, this campaign. Um, you know, it might be nothing. It might just literally be a, a rock in the sky or maybe it is something crazy. Um, but I'm just super excited. There's there's also been this, like, these spell jammer theories, which if you're not familiar with that, it's kind of like, uh, to put it, like, really simply, like, space travel in D&D. Like, spell jammers are, are like, spaceships, essentially. And, um, again crazy theories throughout all the campaigns that have included that type of stuff. Um, so I'm just really excited to see that, like we may actually get into that territory um, here or soon. Yeah. But I... yeah, to, to, to circle all the way back around, I think you're onto something with the Loomis twins, um, you know, being fascinated with all that stuff and maybe we're killed because of it. Yeah. And we didn't really get, to know if they were killed before their meeting with Astrani or after, um, right. or if maybe they were there long term. And I mean, regardless, it is really interesting for sure. It does seem like, you know, originally we were wondering which of these pieces were connected as far as like all the things happening in Drusar, the mimic, you know. Now, 
for your money, do you think this is separate from Armand and, and those things? Or do you think this assassination could still be part of the machinations of? So, yeah, I think it could be something um, grander, like <clears throat> astrology wise, mm -hmm. uh, astronomy wise, I guess astrology one of them is like the pseudoscience. <laughs> yeah, astronomy is the real one, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our deep fans of astrology in the comments are like, they're both real. How dare there. you? <laughs> yeah, I could see that being something like from grander narrative from a grander narrative, but also keep in mind that Matt does mention that the Loomis house sort of tries to keep order politically um, across the houses. And so there is like this big political element to it. True. The obvious answer which I'm always a fan of going with the obvious answer is they were killed to sort of keep. Um, sorry, my kid's crying in the background. <laughs> Can't hear it. Because I muted it because she's, she's screaming pretty big. <laughs> um, why don't you take over for a second while I mute? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, what what is interesting is we did find out a bit of the, the hierarchy uh, from Estros, he was saying that the Treshi is one of the top five, like most powerful Mahan houses. And he said the Loomis house was kind of like a step below that. They weren't, I think he mentioned that they weren't like really too concerned with, with the, the power plays. Um, I may be making this up, but I, I feel like he said that. And, uh, so, so that information combined with the fact that, you know, this, this astronomy angle makes me think that maybe their death is not connected to Armand's machinations. I mean, it easily could be like, maybe he need, maybe they, he was a threat or the Loomis twins were a threat yeah. to something he was doing. Yeah, but, maybe I, yeah, go ahead. I, no, I was just gonna, I kind of like the, the grander narrative of, of that assassination yeah. and this assassination on, on Keyleth, maybe right. Being something else entirely. Yeah. Which I did like, yeah, it, it does feel like a lot of things are coming together. Um, you know, we found the explanation for the furniture, but we also yeah. found out that um, Armand Treshi, uh, which I texted you at that moment, was like, Armand Treshi? Oh my gosh. Like, uh, big detail. Um, could be like you said, wants to, wanted to sort of deal with, um, you know, um, the Loomis house getting, maybe they were getting a bit sticky or too interested or what have you. It does seem like the Loomis house had a connection with Lord Esteros. Um, maybe even a vague connection. Cause Laudan even mentions like, you know, do you have a soft spot for, um, uh, right. the, like Ella or whatever her name yeah. is, um, the matriarch. But, um, yeah. And it seems like Armand, I mean, I don't know where to start with him. I mean, it, you know, the first we thing have the attack. Go ahead. This is just a complete randomized. The first thing that I thought of was Hawkeye because the character's name was Armand and Hawkeye as well. Right. <laughs> Watch anyway. him be that exact character too. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry. Go, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, who's this Armand fellow? Um, yeah. I was kind of unclear if he's like the leader of the Treshy house or just like, you know, one of the players of the Treshy house. Mm, good point. But like you said, one of the most... Um, influential houses Lord Estros mentions that he and Armand have sort of traded blows over the years uh, in terms of like disagreements and uh, in terms of what's best for um, Drusar. Um, we know that he seems to be 
creating super soldiers on the side, yeah. you know, by having these soldiers bit by Gurge. What's going on here? I don't know. I, I didn't even have this thought. I think you mentioned it earlier, though, and it clicked for me, is that maybe those were members of the Paragon's Call. And maybe... Well, Lana mentioned it. That's why, that's why I thought that, because Lana oh, actually mentioned I guess, it. I guess I missed that in the in the episode but that i mean that lines up to me like uh because we already know that there was that flyer in town calling for like institute the paragon's call like you know the government sucks or whatever it was which is an actually interesting sorry this is all i'm realizing this as i'm speaking but it, armand treshi is a i mean it's we don't know who members of the the quorum are but he is supposedly one right so it would be i don't remember if it was like if he was um like confirm for sure. I think we know one of the identities, like absolutely, but I don't remember that person's name. Okay. I don't think it was Armand though. Okay. Well, maybe he's not, but I guess even if he was, he could still like disagree with how they're doing things and want to be like overthrowing that. But anyway, it would make sense to me that since we know that some group is calling for the Paragon's call to be given power, that he, he could be the leader of the ivory syndicate. True. Because we know the Chande Quorum seemingly is seems to be in cahoots with the Ivory Syndicate in some way, right? Either infiltrated by them or um, allowing them to do whatever they're doing. Um, that's a breadcrumb we haven't really seen pop up at all since the start of the campaign. True. Um, did I cut you off though? Uh, I, I was just. I don't know if you did or not, but what I was saying was just that it would make sense to me all these different things happening in the city to undermine, you know, kind of deteriorate things enough to where the Paragon's call is allowed. And so therefore, then it makes sense that those three people that were bitten were maybe members and he's, you know, just creating these super soldiers to to grab power or something that at least I don't know if that's the case, but that at least connects the dots for me, you know? Yeah. But what is kind of interesting is that um for for ira we don't really know like he's clearly being paid to do these experiments and it seems like that's as deep as his connection goes i mean i guess we don't know but it seems like to him this is just a way to make money doing weird shit that he likes ira is a bit of a weirdly designed character because you have like this side that is like the nightmare king very creepy methodically um dangerous mm-hmm. and he makes the comment to volley like you know you have no idea the web of yeah know, that's like that that seems to be someone indulging in his evilness and then on the other side you have oh, i've already been paid half like i got other stuff to do um oh you're a callaway all right yeah cool no worries then <laughs> misunderstanding <laughs> see you later like there's a bit of a duality there that i don't know if that's just um I don't know if it's just like a mistake in developing his character or if it's just a very complex character. Um, Cause it, 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 his final comments would make you seem like he is like, yeah, I did my job. I got people bit, you know, kind of, and even like with Gurge is like, that's just kind of like a side project. We have other stuff we need to work on right now. Um, so there's that side of it, but then there's also like sort of the casual, um, you know, all right, guys. Well, time for me to go. <laughs> I got my money. See you later. So oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I got two things on that. Uh, first, you brought up something I wanted to mention. The whole conversation he had with Bali where he was like, you don't even know the web of things, right? Given that we know 
based on what he said and stuff that this like he's been paid half like i'm out to me that seems like this was just a job he was doing you know like singular you know for whatever reason so then i'm wondering that web comment was that in reference to what Armand is doing, or is that something else entirely that the Nightmare King is working on that is not connected to this political? Yeah, it, it could have been just a like, you don't even know like all the things I've been doing. Like you're part of like this really one detail. Mm-hmm. Like I have a I have a basement office, you know, in your yeah, you know, behind your bookshelf. Um, it definitely could be like, hey, your boss Armand, who I'm, is presumably the patron. That right. was mentioned. Right. Um, he's got a lot. He's got me doing a lot of stuff right now. So just like relax. Okay. Or so you it think could it, be. Oh, yeah, okay. Or it could be like the super evil, like, you know, you have no idea all the things that I'm doing. I, I think from the characterization we saw in this last episode, I'm thinking maybe the former. Okay. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I don't know. I'm. I, I kind of hope it's the latter that he's got his own motivations and his own kind of things spinning behind the the, the scenes i think that would be more you would interesting think you have to right otherwise it's a bit of a weird character you're called the nightmare king and you're right. getting paid for odd you know i won't say odd jobs i mean it's clearly evil stuff but it, you know it's like mm-hmm. hey dude can you um do me a favor and start like making furniture come to life that'd be really <laughs> helpful uh, yeah sure that'd be a thousand gold all right thanks yeah. man like well, hey, a, you know it's like hey, a contract hey, villain i don't know it's even a little evil strange people need money to make things happen um does he though i mean if he's this like crazy character from the fey i mean seems like he's i would assume he's pretty resourceful yeah i mean i think so and so on your on the second part here on his characterization i i think he is the evil nightmare king and i think that the kind of parts where he kind of is going against that is just because of this fern connection that we just really don't know enough about like I think he could still be this evil nightmare king figure, yeah. but you know, maybe for some reason he's got this soft spot for Callaways. Maybe he is one, you know, like that's, I, I, I don't think yeah. it's like her dad. Like we know Fern's parents are, are missing. Like, I don't think it's that close yeah. of a connection. And that's a good little detail. Again, for people who didn't watch EXU, um, you didn't watch our video on what you missed in EXU. Fern, basically her parents left at a very young age. They've been gone. Um, her grandmother watched over her and this was a detail from EXU. We don't, I don't know if it's going to be actual like retconned or if it'll be the case, but she basically was given letters from her parents being like, Hey, we're traveling. Everything's great. And it was revealed in EXU that her grandma basically was writing those letters herself and giving them to Fern. Um, so that's the detail for those of you guys who are like, what's, what's going on with Fern and Callaway or what have you. Yeah, so, I mean, to me, I think there's clearly something going on there. Like, maybe even he knew her grandma or something. Like, uh, to me, and I could be completely wrong. Like, we'll find out. I do think it, the, the kind of, the the contrast and the moments he had is a little bit, you know, jarring. But to me, right. I think he is a dark, evil figure. And just for some reason, there's this connection to Fern that... Because, I mean, he was seemingly going to kill them. And then he hesitate and stops and it's like oh you know what fern you know he looks at her yeah. or something so i i'm super interested to find out what that connection is um and what he's got going on behind the scenes if it's if it's unrelated to the the armand plans yeah i will say i really liked the fight with with ira but um i don't know how to describe this like 
it's a bunch of people playing D and D like you're having a good time. You're having fun. Mm-hmm. The party, like this is obviously, I mean, he started out with 22 damage to four of them. We already knew that they were going in with very few spell slots, yeah. totally underprepared. Right. Um, and the party even mentioned like jokingly several times, like, yeah, we're probably dead. Like, like we're, we need to leave. Right. Like we just need to get out of here. Right. Um, I will say it, it didn't feel like the stakes were quite there. And I don't know if that ever does. Does that ever happen in a critical role campaign where it's like this fight is really intense and really serious? Or is it, I guess this is more of like a behind the scenes question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have a, it's, it's a weird question to ask because I don't have a problem with how the fight went down. I was more of just thinking like, um, hey, this is the first like big encounter I've seen happen in critical role. And um was not lackluster. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it. But also, story-wise, I was thinking like, okay, yeah, this isn't really um, a heavy encounter, I guess, uh, that, as I was anticipating. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, to answer your question, yeah, there definitely are. I mean, I think in this case, they, don't, they weren't really aware of the stakes. They didn't know what they were going down into that basement to face. They don't know who Ira is. So I think that they like were ignorant to maybe the, the threat level. And so that's why maybe it was a little bit more lighthearted, if that's kind of right. what you're getting at. Like if people weren't like maybe right. taking it as seriously as maybe they should have type of kind of vibe. Um, I think that's why. But yeah, absolutely. There are like, like, oh, shit, this is real moments in Critical Role. <laughs> like, you know, uh, when you're coming up against things, I, I think it's easy just to paint it as kind of ignorance here. And, you know, the party's still young and new and not really sure what they're doing. So I think that could maybe be why it, it didn't really feel like it was um right at, at you know a certain level of i don't know the right word here but um danger or something i don't know yeah just a random comment i had really but yeah i mean he did i mean if not for those nat 20 death saving throws like honestly who knows what what could have happened um, yeah that was an awesome those were both awesome moments yeah that's just so crazy that they happened like literally back to back too and then they both had to, well, Dorian had to stealth roll then to roll away. Right. And scoop up. Grabbed up. <laughs> scoop up uh, FCG. That was great. Which, uh, uh, FCG also had a great moment after Chetney did the werewolf reveal on uh, FCG's turn, him being like, you see FCG start to sprout hair. And, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was <laughs> great. Like, I'm just kidding. Never mind. Just everyone's a werewolf in the party. But uh, shout out, by the way, to. Um, where are these comments that we had a few people who pointed Wait. out? Oh, good. I was just say like I mentioned just Chetney transforming. Mm-hmm. There were a few people in our comments who, who actually said like, Hey, maybe Chetney's intrigue with, um, Gurge is that he's also a werewolf. Yeah. And so just want to say shout out to those people. Kudos. Um, actually I'll look for them right now. Those people so we can give them proper credit, but. Um, All right. While you're doing that, there's one other thing I wanted to mention on the whole Ira Calloway thing. Um, The the party asks Fern about that, like after the battle. And she says something very interesting. She says, we're very, very famous in the Fae. And she just leaves it at that. So, I I mean, that's all I got. We already kind of spoke on it, but I just am wondering what's going on there. What's the connection? And I mean, I guess that means that, you know, maybe even if Ira is not like directly connected to the Calways, maybe he's just aware of their fame for whatever reason they're famous and didn't want to kill the Callaway daughter or daughter or something. I don't know. 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, by the way, going back to these comments, there were four people. Uh, Amok2 said, I'm guessing Chetney is infected with a lycanthropy and Gurge is supposed to be like his mentor or something. LOL. <laughs> Still <laughs> casually stated. Like, yeah. Um, and then the other people who mentioned it, um, Ryan Weaver said, I really like the theory that Chetney's a werewolf. He has a strength of 17. Um, remember, if you accept the curse, you don't suffer the uncontrollable full moon rampages. Um, and then uh, Paul Savas or Savas said, perhaps they're both lycanthropes, and that's why Gurge and Chet are trying to meet. Um, the one I really like, though, was from Aaron Ginsberg. He said, basically, I don't know why people have moved off of Ch Travis's playing a werewolf theory. He used what appeared to be a blood hunter order of the lichen ability called heightened senses to make sure he was alone in the office. And Matt didn't have him explain what he was doing, which would have been a dead giveaway for something so secret. Chetney's rationale then for meeting up with Gurge makes no sense. As you and the cast have pointed out, surely someone in Wildmount could have used a carpenter and he wouldn't have to move continents just to find work. Right. It's plausible there wasn't another werewolf to teach him how to control his powers in Wildmount. Uh, hats off to all of you guys. Yeah, yeah. Really great job. Very well so, done. Yeah. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. coming. Yeah, Let we're still going to do our... We're going to yeah. do our video on our favorite theories um, in the near future, maybe like episode 12, 13, or maybe even, you know, 15. Who knows? Um, probably when we have like an off week, I guess. Um, so, yeah, keep them coming. It's, some, it's just great. To people put, it's great to see people put out these comments and be like, oh, my gosh, that was totally right. Yeah. So anyway. Absolutely. What else? Anything else you want to talk about? I've got I've got random tidbits and I'm trying yeah, to just I'm just trying to think about over the there, I mean I'm, there's got to be other stuff this is such a long episode um so one random tidbit a couple things on Orem that I wanted to mention um one I just you mentioned it in the recap how when they're at the bathhouse he was just kind of waltzing around naked but he was with his sword and he was like practicing yeah you know his movements yeah. I just I just love Liam's attention to detail with little like subtle moments like that. He did something similar in EXU in kind of just like a a very like downtime moment. He was, you know, he, he called attention to the fact that, you know, I just, you know, I go aside and I stand in front of the statue and I practice my right. movements. Right. I, I just love how that paints his character of this quite literally fighter that, you know, that's kind of like how he centers himself, how he, right. um, you know. I, I just loved it and I love that he yeah that's the second time he's done that and I expect him to do more kind of flavor moments like that yeah right um and then also on the Orem thing uh you texted me about this so I did want to mention it uh Jarrett um uh, for those of yeah. you that that uh, I went in the chat went crazy they were like Jarrett Jarrett, Jarrett. I was like who is Jarrett <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> for, for those of you that didn't watch campaign one um Jarrett is character from campaign one uh one of my favorite uh little like NPC uh characters uh and he's actually going to be in the legend of vox machina they they revealed that they're kind of switching up his role a little bit um which you know is to be expected when they're translating things to this new format but um yeah okay in uh in campaign one he was basically a, a guard um again okay. i don't want to like spoil anything not that it would but i just, i won't go further than that but he was just a, a an ally a guard um that was just always a fun NPC. So it was really fun to hear his name again. Um, and, you know, know that he's, I guess, still around, um, you know, and still communicating with, with these characters and stuff. So, um, yeah, for those of you that were wondering who the heck Jared is, he uh, yeah. is from Campaign 1. Yeah, okay. All right. Anything else? 
Um, let me, let me, let me just go through really quick. I did another little moment that I just thought was funny at the, uh, the Prism Emporium when Chetney was buying his, his chisel and he was clearly getting ripped off by the guy. Yeah. He was like, what's your name? Yeah. <laughs> like making a list to, yeah. to come and someone else was like, on. Someone else was like, that was very Dexter of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was really funny. That was great. And then, um, all right, two, uh, two other little like small topics I want to just touch on. Um, the first being really just to kind of clarify the history we got with Gurge and this whole werewolf thing. Cause there were a lot of names mentioned. I'm just trying to make sure I parsed this out correctly. So Gurge was, was with a group of hunters. Yeah. The, the Claret order. Orders. And right. that was before he was a werewolf. Right. Right. Yes. Then he, he gets bitten or whatever. Right. And he leaves. Right. Um, Comes to Marquette. And he joins this Gorgini order. Yeah. Which they're a group of werewolves. They're also hunters. Right. But they are hunters. Right. Okay. And so then he, then it's mentioned he has a falling out with them. And years before. And yeah. then starts, you know, living his wild man life or whatever. And Lottie even asks, what was your falling out over? Do you want to and tell yeah. us more? And he goes, he doesn't no. tell it, Right. And then also Ajit Dial in the core spire who he tells them to meet, which I don't remember like where he said to meet them, but Chetney's like, yeah, can I mention you sent me? And he's like, no, don't mention I sent you. Okay. Yeah. So I was going to say, do you think Ajit is a member of the Gorginai? Might be. I'm not sure. Yeah. That's a good and question. then, okay. I just want to, I want to parse that out and I guess we don't know what Ajit is, but I was wondering if, if we did know, but so, I mean, that's my best guess is that maybe he's a member of that, yeah. but the, the hunters that both Gurge and Chetney referred to about like, yo, if, if we bite somebody, if we get out of control, like they're going to come get us. Right. Is that the Gorgini or is that some third hunter organization that like, I, I think, I don't know if it's the Gorgini Gorgia. Yeah, sorry if I'm, I'm totally um, butchering it. I'm sure it seems like Chetney is maybe even wanting to be connected to them, like, hey, like, send me on my way, kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Um, doesn't seem like he's encountered them before. I would, yeah, I would assume it is like a third group. I, I wouldn't think it's like the Claret Order since, right? They don't seem to be connected to, well, since he, like, like, hey guys, I'm gonna go take care of this. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe they didn't know. Um, so yeah, maybe it's like a third group, you know, like, a. I can't think of a good example, a good analogy, but, you know, destroy all monsters, even if they have good intentions, you know, or at least maybe like a witcher esque, like, Hey, make sure you're good. Or we're going to, I don't know. Yeah. I, I have no idea. Uh, yeah. I'm, I mean, if it's the Gorgini or, or not, if it's someone else, I'm fascinated by that. Like, who is this group that's out there? Like keeping tabs on werewolves and probably other wares and other vampires yeah, and, and other stuff like that. Like did one of they? them, did one of them sell out Gurge? Cause he mentions that True. someone must have known that he was a lichen because he says he's never changed in public. Right. He said someone, someone had to have known that it was me. And how would they, how would they know if, if Chetney or Gurge like bit Fern, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, unless it just like Fern, there's got to be like as a werewolf. There's got to be like, like a full time job to like 
you yeah. know, Pepe Silvia esque of like <laughs> connecting dots and like where did this person come from? And you know, I guess in order that they want to make sure that this curse is kept under wraps. Um, which speaking of order, is the Claret Order is that I know they're from Wildmount. Are were they in Campaign Two Ill or is this a? If they were, I don't remember. That doesn't. It didn't okay. ring any bells for me, but it's totally possible that they were, and somebody yeah, okay. can let us know. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to mention that because this whole organization that keeps keeps a, a, a leash, if you will, on these mythical creatures is fascinating to me. <laughs> Pun intended. Um, yeah, and it, it seems like they are pretty scared of them. Uh, you know, and that may, that may not be the right word. I mean, maybe they just, maybe Gurge just doesn't want to give anyone else the disease, but he's like, right. no, I can't do that. Like they'll come, yeah. get, they'll come get me. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, I'm super interested in that. I loved Fern though, you know, playing her chaotic neutral so well, mm -hmm. of like, I'd like to be one, um, <laughs> which, you know, I got to pour one out for Ashley Johnson. One of my favorite people in D and D, but as someone who DMs, I was like, Ashley, you got to know your, you got to know what to do. You know, I think the group, the group even was like, okay, don't let Ashley go first in combat. <laughs> um, but you know, it can be overwhelming, especially when you're on the spot. For sure. But um, there was definitely like four or five minutes of silence as I mean, I'm exaggerating, but like, so what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, they're definitely that, that was kind of an, an exacerbated moment, but the, I feel like almost everyone will have those moments at some point in the campaign. I mean, especially since she's a druid, they can literally do like a million things. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was funny. Um, yeah. And it was also funny when she was like, you know what? I don't care. I can just turn to a wolf anyway. He's like, you can. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, uh, I'm going to do it. Actually, I'm not going to do it because I can't. Yeah. But... <laughs> I don't have a spell slot left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't have any wild shapes, actually. <laughs> But I want uh, you to know I could if I wanted to. I was yeah. uh, before that whole interaction where she asked him to bite him happened. I was thinking to myself, like, if I was in a campaign with a werewolf, I feel like at some point I would be like, bro, bite me. Like, I want to be a werewolf. Like, what if we were all werewolves? Yeah, yeah. So, Especially if things get dire. Like, dude, right? we're going to die. Bite me. And I mean, like, obviously it's going to have its pros and cons, right? But seemingly <laughs> that is just like a buff in a way. Watch, like, Watch the group just all, by the end of it, everyone is a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. And then it's like that one shot. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. The You know, the one shot where mm -hmm. uh, it's like the noble like the, family and they're all, mm -hmm. Lycan 3, like, runs in the family. Song of, like, Lorelei or, or something like that. Yeah, I think great it was one shot, by the Which way. Which I think, really good now, one. it's been years since I saw that, but I think it was... That took place in Exandria. Now I'm not saying that like they Ooh. probably weren't thinking about the canon. <laughs> is this a at, deep connection now? <laughs> I don't know, but like maybe since that was like a whole noble family, right? Like yeah, maybe yeah. they're connected to this order of hunters that like keeps everyone in in check that'd or something. Be, that'd be really interesting. Like one maybe of the, the order maybe the order of hunters are themselves maybe it is the Gorgonai. Maybe yeah. they yeah, I mean I mean I maybe bet they hunt. I don't know. Yeah. I mean I bet they are comprised of at least some werewolves i mean even if it's yeah. not the gorgonai whatever this yeah, order yeah. is yeah. um but yeah super fast do you think do you think ira is going to be our big bad evil guy of like the whole campaign yeah no i okay. don't think so i think <clears throat> he'll be like potentially of like this arc or you know something yeah, like but probably not two, like maybe, the entire yeah. campaign i bet yeah um i feel the same way yeah uh what was i gonna say um, the only the only other thing I wanted to briefly touch on is just the whole what we found out at the end, uh, the dream. 
Oh, right. Yeah. That, uh, that one, her mother was part of this study, but two, just the fact that this study even existed, like this is a recurring thing. I think they mentioned that like, it's, it's once every, is, was it connected to Ruidus? Or no, I don't remember. She did say that she started getting the dream or the nightmare and then her power shortly followed after. So there seems to be like sort of like this coming of age, um, you know, you know, you hit puberty and suddenly you get psychic yeah. powers and you also start having this dream. It seems genetic, right? Since her mom had apparently had True. the same dream. True. Um, which that's interesting that this this dream has been so long lasting. Um, I did like that Matt mentioned that she was in there for hours. Otherwise, it would have been mm -hmm. an, a bit too convenient of, oh, here's right. the study on Red <laughs> Stones. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. So I found my notes on this part. Um, so it was another thing that's interesting is people share the dream. So like people all around the world at the same time start having this dream. So, you know, why? But it, it happens on a 30-year celestial solstice. So it's not necessarily connected to Ruidus, but it is connected to something yeah. that's happening. And... Didn't, didn't she say that? Um, or now I'm wondering if I'm mixing up different characters. Did she say at some point earlier in the campaign, like she has like a sense of, I don't know if it was like a voice or what it was, but she assumed like it was her mother. Yeah. Yeah. She said that. Okay. So her mother, did she say she's met her mother or hadn't met her mother? That I don't remember. Because I know it's her dad back home. Mm -hmm. I've totally fogged now on where the mom is. We may not even know. Like, I don't know if she's ever mentioned, okay. like, her relationship with her mom. Y'all let I us know. We, yeah, I think she did say, like, she, in her dream, or she has, like, a sense of, like, voice. Maybe not an audible yeah, yeah. voice, I but, do like, remember a that. sense of direction that she assumes to be her mom. Mm -hmm. um, which is interesting. And the voice is telling her to, like, run right like run away from the storm yeah yeah right so where is her mother yeah it and it, yeah it's just interesting like what i'm trying to piece like why would people all around i mean i guess we don't know it's all around exandria but i assume it's not just like 30 people in drusar that mm -hmm. start having this dream i'm assuming it's random people that on a, on a 30 year celestial solstice like, so something's happening. I think it might be Ruidus because the storm is red, right? Didn't that mention? Yeah. And Ruidus right. is red. Right. So, like, maybe, you know, and it's about to come to its six-month werewolf peak. So, like, maybe all these things <laughs> are, like, converging. And I don't know. I, I can't wait to find That's out more. convergence. Yeah. <laughs> convergence of the spheres. <laughs> uh, a conjunction of the spheres. Conjunction. What an idiot. <laughs> Moron. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, I, I just can't wait to find out more. It was obviously super interesting that pages were torn out. Um, so who else is who else is studying this? Is it someone else that maybe that. is having the dream right now and they too went to yeah. research? You know? Are are these people yeah. like is this like a, a call to heroism? Like these I don't know why I just who like however many people it is, let's just say twenty for the sake of this, that these twenty people have in this dream, like they are the chosen ones in order to stop this coming catastrophe, or maybe they are like instruments to bring it to happening. Like I don't know. They're all given powers for some reason. Yeah. It's definitely interesting and a bit curious. Um because the fact that her mom contributed to the study seems like this has been a long standing process. And I don't know, are we still in that thirty year period or has something already happened 
and now we're leading up to the next 30 because i remember how old uh imogen is i think you she's know, tw- we- late 20s 20 20 something okay okay i gotcha okay yeah so yeah so, i don't yeah i mean I, go ahead i'm well i'm just wondering like where does that go from there you know yeah i mean my assumption is that if it's a 30-year cycle this happened to her mom and then whatever happened to her mom happened and now it's been 30 years yeah and so now it's happening again except now it's happening to imogen yeah yeah okay all right juicy well it seems like maybe the group maybe the next few episodes will have a ball episode um mm-hmm. is the new nobodies the name of the group oh yeah i don't know they did they did seem to like they didn't like outright confirm it but they were all like yeah, yeah that's kind of cool so i think yeah I think maybe we'll like get that reveal at the ball moment. I feel like they might like save it for that. Or maybe they'll be like, hey, what should we do? And they tell us before. Yeah, yeah. But because yeah, Matt even had via Lord Astros being like, Hey, we really need like a band yeah. name <laughs> <laughs> just while you work with work with me. So yeah. so we'll have that. And then it seems like traveling to the Hartmore in the near future. Right. To do some stuff. So. Right. Oh, sorry. One last tiny thing that I, I wanted to mention. In that Estros meeting, he does mention that. You know, I have friends at a library that, you know, yeah. root out corruption. I'm going to send this stuff to them. Um, a lot of people in the comments, and I'm sure a lot of people have this thought. It sounds like he's referring to the Cobalt Soul, which is an organization that has been in previous campaigns that they're like these, uh, they're like this organization organization of like monks and stuff that are kind of think of them as like, not police, but like they're they root out corruption. Like they're there to investigate and, you know, do good stuff. Yeah. My wife is asking for something. (laughs) Yeah. No worries. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. That'd be really interesting to see if that's the case. So anyway, I got to (laughs) go. All right. Yeah. We're done. Uh, We got to do our thumbnail. Oh yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Any ideas? Something Ira esque or something like maybe Bathhouse esque. Oh yeah. Okay. So hmm. <laughs> uh I mean what about Bathhouse? I think we did Ira last time, so Yeah, okay. I don't know. What what are you thinking for Bathhouse? Um maybe a face of agonizing pleasure from our deep tissue massages. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So uh yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay yours looks a little weird but yeah <laughs> people should be used to it by now yeah yeah all right well uh definitely you guys let us know in the comments your thoughts on the episode your favorite theories and don't forget you can also follow us on our twitter uh, we just had an awesome giveaway on the twitter uh, it's at the pixelus and then also make sure you check out the podcast on spotify yeah so, can't wait to talk out. to you guys about legend of vox machina yeah we'll catch you guys later All right, see y'all.